0: good morning listeners and welcome to Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning. And this the 1st of July. It's the 13th Sunday in ordinary time. Of course, helping to produce the programme as usual, somewhere out there in Skyplant. Shane Ambrose, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good
1: morning, John. And how are we doing this fabulous weather time? Oh, fabulous. Uh, definitely, definitely a weather where we definitely turn around and say, thank God for the fine weather. If I hear one more person saying, I can't handle the heat, it's like, Wilson, after all the rain and the cold we had, take it while we have
0: it. <laughs> in this so, I mean, as people might know, at this particular state, we usually record this midweek, and um, it's Wednesday evening over here, and uh, just experienced 31 degrees today, beautiful. It reminds me about my pilgrimages to Medjugorje. Beautiful weather, open skies, and all the rest of it. But anyway, welcome again to Sacred Space, and One 102 as I said. Um, this morning we have an interesting programme lined up. In terms of part two, we're joined by our good friend, Father Eamon Conway, direct from uh, Lough Dirk. Father Eamon spends quite a bit of time in Lough Dirk and is going to give us a beautiful reflection and some thoughts and some information on Lough Dirk. So please stay with us for that. Uh, but in the meantime, we want to welcome indeed our listeners who are housebound. Those who we try to remember every every Sunday morning, every programme, those who are lonely may be struggling with some health problems Uh, they may be struggling with some anxiety at one time or another maybe they're waiting for tests results of tests whatever you are we're with you please join us uh, everybody else out there is joining us in prayers for you this morning in your struggle Stay with us and we'll try and give you some music maybe that might lift you this morning and also some of the Gospel Reflections that we'll have in Part 3. But in the meantime, if you want to contact the station at all during the week, um, if you want to contact us here in Sacred Space, our email is sacredspace102 at gmail.com or you can text us. That's 087 That's 087 of course, as people know, at this particular stage, this program is repeated again tonight at 11 p.m. each Sunday. And it's available as a podcast on our blog, which is wwwsacredspace 102blogspotcom And also available on iTunes, thanks to Shane, by searching for Common and See Inspirations. So speaking about Shane, uh, Saints for the Week, Shane, you usually share some saints that we're going to celebrate this week, and maybe find out a little bit more as to how they live their lives in terms of um, showing, maybe giving us a little bit of an example of how to live our own lives.
1: Who do you have, Shane? Thanks, John. So as you said, we have our regular review of the Celestial Guides for the week, and as you said, John, today, of course, is the 1st of July, so it's hard to believe, where did the month of June go, the month of the Sacred Heart? So, uh, So we're into the month of July, and of course, fully into the summer cycle. And for those preparing the Psalter, we're on week one of the Psalter. As John said, it's the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And because, of course, it's a Sunday this year, we don't actually celebrate the feast of uh, St. Oliver Plunkus because St. Oliver's Feast Day falls on the 1st of July. So Tuesday, I'm uh, oh, sorry, Monday, I should say, rather, beg your pardon, is the 2nd of July. And the 2nd of July is actually St. Switten's Day. Now, how many of you remember the, 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 the little poem associated with St. Switton's Day? So, St. Saint, uh, Switton's Day is, St. Uh, Switton's Day, if thou dost rain, for forty days it will remain. St. Switton's Day, if thou be fair, for forty days twill rain no more, no more. So, so if it's fine on St. Switton's Day, you'll have good weather for forty days. And if it rains on St. Switton's Day, you'll have it rain for forty days. Now, the problem is, there's a small bit of an, a confusion around when is actually St. Switton's Day. Some people say it's the 2nd of July, and some people say it's the 15th of July. And the whole thing around, around poor old St. Switten. He, um, he was a chaplain to Egbert, who was the king of the West Sax- Saxons. And, and he, there was a lot of miracles associated with his relics. And, and his patronage of the weather arose because the monks tried to move his body from an outdoor shrine, or an outdoor grave, to an indoor shrine in the cathedral. And he didn't really approve of this move, or a translation, as it was called. And it, it's the, the the idea was that he caused it to rain for 40 days to event his um, displeasure at it. So that's how poor old St. Swithin got associated with the with the weather forecast. So that's on the 15th, depending which way you want to look at it. Okay. Then on Tuesday the 3rd, we have the feast day of St. Thomas the Apostle. Of course, Thomas, affectionately known as Doubting Thomas, although for me personally, I, I think... Thomas only expresses, I suppose, the human questioning in us all. Mm-hmm. So his feast day is on the 3rd of July. His apostle very much associated with tradition of preaching to Christians in India, um, supposed to have been stabbed with a spear around the year 72. Um, and that's why often Christians in, in India, they're called Thomas Christians, um, just as, as one of the names that's used uh, to describe them because of the tradition that St. Thomas preached Christianity in that part of the world. And his symbol, if you're ever looking at icons or iconography or statues, and you're trying to figure out who it is, his symbol is the builder's square. Um, and there's a couple of stories associated, but we won't get, we won't get that too much at the moment. So that's St. Thomas. His feast day is on uh, Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, we have the feast day of St. Elizabeth of Portugal. Now, people might remember, Elizabeth of Portugal was one of our blog patrons a couple of years ago. She's associated very much with the House of Aragon Arag- 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 in, in, in Portugal, And she had a very unhappy marriage with the King of Portugal, but she persevered in prayer and eventually um, he died. And uh, as a widow, she lived in poverty as a Franciscan. So that's who we had, that's Saint Elizabeth of Portugal, and her feast day is celebrated on the 4th of July. On the 5th of July, which is Thursday, we have the feast day of Saint Anthony Zachariah. Now, this guy is famous because he was a doctor, but he's associated with uh, coming from a wealthy family. Uh, but he eventually, he was ordained at the age of 26, a uh, noted preacher and administrator, obviously Italian. And he founded the Society of the Clerics of St. Paul, which are also known as the Barnabites. Um, so uh, very much a so- congregation associated with the continent more than with England, with, with Ireland, I should say, I beg your pardon. Uh, he died in 1539, and his body was found incorrupt in 1566. Um, so that's St. Anthony Zachariah. Then on Friday, now the 6th of July, is the first Friday for those keeping the first Friday. and uh, It is the feast day of Saint Monien of Kilvany, uh, saint on the Irish calendar. Uh, as I said, it's the first Friday for those maintaining that devotion. But for the saint, uh, it's the it's she, he, she, he is associated, uh, she, I beg your pardon, is one of Ireland's early women saints. And she founded a community which was in County Armagh. And they lived what was called an eremitical life based on that of Elijah and St. John the Baptist. And she died around 517 or 518. Then on Saturday, so for those keeping the first Saturday devotion, that's next Saturday, the 7th of July, we have the feast day of St. Malroun. Now, St. Malroun is associated from memory with uh, Tala in County Dublin, where he founded the monastery in 774. Uh, He introduced reform, liturgical and spiritual writings. And he died in 792. Obviously, John, as it's the start of the month, uh, we also mentioned the Pope's intentions or prayer intentions for the month. So for the month of July, the Pope's prayer intention is that priests who experience fatigue and loneliness in their pastoral work may find help and comfort in their intimacy with the Lord and in their friendship with their brother priests. And I think, actually, that's a very um, timely um prayer intention from Pope Francis, so I'll just repeat it again, that priests who experience fatigue and loneliness in their pastoral work may find help and comfort in their intimacy with the Lord and in their friendship with their brother priests. And, you know, it, it's it's not easy sometimes being a priest in Ireland today, um, particularly as our clergy are getting older, so it's just remember, too, that you know they are human, you know, offer the cup of tea, maybe invite Father out for dinner so if you can. Um, you know, and it's 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 not the easiest work working in the Lord's Vineyard in Ireland at this time.
0: Well done, Shane. Thank you so much for sharing. that um, just one little uh, notice I just want to bring to people's attention this morning, and that's in regard to the pilgrimage to Medjugorje, two thousand eighteen. This is the Newcastle West Prayer Group, Medikatin um, and Padigiri are organising the pilgrimage again to Medjugorje from the August the first to the eighth from Dublin, ex-Dublin, and the cost is €699 Euros for B&B and evening dinner, including flight and bus transfer from Dubrovnik. For further information, you can contact Mary Keating, and that's an 069 60375 or 086 And of course, Padigiri on 069 77595 or 087 7672 maybe uh, those numbers were um, maybe there's quite a lot of them there but if people want to contact the parish office there maybe in Newcastle West they'll be able to help you out and that the phone number there is 06961816 now as Shane mentioned there uh, that lovely thought uh, about priests and so on and so forth it might be opportune this morning to pray this prayer this Newcastle West prayer for, for vocations the Newcastle West Prayer for Vocations. Almighty God, you called us through baptism to be to discipleship with your Son, Jesus Christ, and you sent us to bring the good news of salvation to all peoples. We pray that those whom God is calling from our community to serve him in priesthood and religious life may respond with, generos- may respond with generosity and faith, and that they may receive support and encouragement and spiritual nourishment for the seed of their vocation in their families, and in a wider parish community. We ask this to Christ our Lord. Amen. So with this part of the program, we might go for our first bit of music. And this morning, it's from the Maranatha Singers. And this one is entitled, In His Time. So let's hear this.
2: time.
3: So
0: welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose on the other end of the skyline. And again, we're we're so happy to have uh, join us again, this time directly from uh, Lockdurg, actually, in County Donegal, Father Eamon Conway. Good Good evening to you, Father Eamon. How are you?
4: I'm doing very well, thank you. Lovely to be with you. Hope all is well there.
0: All is well. Thank you so much, Father Eamon, for joining us again. Again, to give us a reflection and give us some information, especially for those people who maybe not too sure what Loch Derg is all about and so on and so forth, so maybe that's a good place to start. What is Loch Derg and where is it? Oh, sorry, should I say the Sanctuary well, of St. Patrick? we
4: talking about a beautiful, uh, a beautiful lake in northwest Donegal, not, not the Loch Derg on the Shannon, but another one uh, mm-hmm. up in south, uh, south north Donegal, south Donegal just, over, just on the border, really, near uh, Pettigo, I guess, not too far from Donegal Town. And um, as you can imagine, these last few days with the weather, it has just been absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I've been calling it the Costa del Lactur, you know. <laughs> and, uh, uh, pilgrims here, the biggest concern they've had have been, not so much been the traditional frostbite, but sunburn. So, so uh, it's uh, it's been exceptional, it really is. So the season for the traditional three-day pilgrimage opened on June the 1st. And we've had approximately, uh, I would say, 1,600 pilgrims. Uh, already which is wonderful and uh, you know every time i come here i work here i've been working here since i was a seminarian uh, so for nearly 35 years at this stage and every time i come here i go and check the register for exactly 100 years before so this year at uh, 2018 on the 1st of june we had 100 more pilgrims than we had on 1918 on the 1st of june we had nearly oh, wow. 600 pilgrims here for the opening of the season so, you know, it's all relative, and there certainly have been times in our history when uh, there were a lot more pilgrims here than there are now, but there are also times when there were a lot less. For example, at the time, uh, the 30 years after the famine, we know uh, that the annual uh, pilgrimage, uh, probably about three or 4,000 stu- uh, people would come on pilgrimage. Now it's, a, it's around double that on the three-day. And, of course, in the interim, then, uh, we've had these one-day retreats, in uh, mainly the end of March and April and May. And again, now they'll run from after the 15th of August up to into October. Wonderful. I mean, it's completely booked out this year for school retreats uh, once the schools reopen in September, October. So, you know, there's a great sense of life here. And for those who may not have been here for some time, uh, the, the buildings are in very, very good, mix. some beautiful religious art here, of course, we have lovely horned windows in the basilica, and mm. this is one of the two national basilicas. I mean, we are obviously familiar with Nock, but this is the other national basilica, St. Patrick's Basilica, here built in the 1930s. So, in fact, it's the, also the oldest, uh, or the older of the two basilicas. So, as you can gather by now, I'm quite a fan of Loch Derg, mm. and... Um, I, I, I mean, the book I brought out a couple of years ago, the title was Island of Quiet Miracles. And that's really what I would say is the secret of Loch that every single morning here, particularly during the Sacrament of Reconciliation, I can say with all my heart and with all my soul that miracles happen, that people manage to unburden themselves of something they may have been carrying for some time, maybe a hurt that they have caused or a hurt that has been uh, caused to them and that they've been uh, languishing with and carrying around for for decades, perhaps, in some instances. And maybe also it can be a moment where they see the way forward through some very difficult personal circumstances. I think when you do the Lockyard pilgrimage, uh, you find that all your senses are heightened, that there's a real sense of that without food, without sleep, without without shoes. And, you know, this is the odd thing. It actually works. Everybody, you know, you might say it's crazy, but that's what people say. It sounds crazy, but it actually works. And the senses are heightened, and there's an openness to the depths of one's own spiritual self and, and, and the depths of, of, of God's presence in one's life. And uh, this is the miracle of Dirk It's been going on here now for the best part of 1,500 years.
1: Father Eamon, I suppose many people would ask the question, maybe, are they tough enough to do lockdown? Uh Because I suppose it's sometimes seen as kind of, um, how will I put it, Super penitential in some respects. The tradition, you know, it's, as you said, the bare feast, the the only the 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 the, 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 the soup, which is water and the biscuits, and you know, and and staying up for the vigil. You know, uh, well, some people might have this thing in their head that it's not for them.
4: Well, you know, it is tougher. I would say it's actually tougher than it was a few hundred years ago because being barefoot, you know. going without sleep, having a very, very simple diet was probably the the, the fate of many, if not the majority of people, you know, uh, a couple of centuries ago. So in some respects, because of our luxury lifestyle, uh, it is actually a greater sense of deprivation. But I can tell you that uh, one pilgrim leaving on Sunday morning last uh, turned around and he said, I could have spent 10 times that amount of money. Uh, on a a luxury weekend spa, and I wouldn't have had a fraction of the sense of well-being and satisfaction and peace and serenity that I have this morning as I leave this island. Now, that is not unusual.
2: Mm. That is
4: just not unusual at all. On the issue of are you tough enough, I I think you're right, but the toughness that's needed actually is not so much the physical um, demands of it, but it's 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 the openness to being vulnerable to oneself and to God. I think that's where the toughness is needed. Are you prepared to allow yourself to be vulnerable in the presence of God and one another? Uh, and that, I think, is the, is the harder. The humility, really, is another way of putting it, the humility to be yourself before God. You know, there's no makeup on lockdown. uh, There's no masks here. Um, actually, this is a, an insight I've had this year, for, maybe for the first time. The really privileged people are those who can take off their shoes. Those of us, when we're here, as I am at the moment, working here, your, your shoes almost seem like a, a barrier uh, to that humility, to that sense of being at one with nature and at one with other people. So, you know, the, 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 a few years ago, the slogan uh, for the, for the promoting the island was just do it, because it's very difficult to explain it until you come here. Mm. But, you know, one young person... Here uh, at the weekend, the the Derry Diocese had a group of young people here, and one young person said to me, um, who was doing it for the, uh, I think the second time, uh, in his, yeah, I say uh, 2021, and you know the Queen's University had 33 here earlier, but um, he said that he said, you know, I, I I really just love the the serenity, the peace. Uh, he said, getting away from the technology, that his hand was instinctively going to his pocket for his phone at any quiet moment. But the discipline of that is something he hoped he'd take here, home with him. And could I just share with you, uh, there's many, many wonderful books on Loch Derg uh, going back over the centuries, really. We've written some very good records about it. But I just picked one up last night in preparation for this. That was published in 1944 uh, by Alice Curtain, who was one of the best historians of the island. I think you'll just enjoy this, uh, this paragraph and that's all i read but she says the most attractive aspect of the island routine is that it is a complete suspension of normal living um and then she goes on and says there are of course no telephones uh, to distract or wireless programs to assail the nerves there's a complete <laughs> absence of the fuss clatter and compulsory absorption in petty trifles that make up the confusion of everyday life all that bustle so frequently mistaken for achievement, all that hugger-mugger is left behind on the mainland, and the pilgrim steps into a new air. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that was in 1944. I was going to say and 1944. Uh, does it, has it changed, has it? <laughs> no. And, you know, a beautiful saying one pilgrim said to me uh, the other morning he said, he said, when you come to Loch Derg and you drink what he called the pure water, you know that everything else is just tap water. He wasn't mm. referring to water at all, of course, but just the, the purity of the, of the experience here. It's one of our best I kept secrets in some respects. Mm. People don't think of coming here uh, so much on pilgrimage, I guess. They'll go off on the Camino, and I think that's obviously very, very powerful as well. But increasingly now we're, we're finding people interested in researching it. When I was here for the opening weekend in June, we had three Italian Uh, university professors, uh, one a professor of comparative religions with a specialism in uh, Japanese Buddhism, who's looking at comparative experiences of pilgrimage across the religions. And I think there's a timeliness really about our recovery and rediscovery of a pilgrimage. We know, we know for certain that there was a Christian presence here very shortly after the time of St. Patrick, and that there's been an unbroken Christian presence here ever since.
0: There might be some listeners um, who really are not too aware what the programme involves for a three-day pilgrimage. Could you just run through what a three-day pilgrimage involves? Please? Yeah, so if you were thinking of coming
4: here tomorrow or any day between now and the 13th of August uh, when the three-day closes, so if you were thinking of coming here tomorrow, then from midnight to night you don't eat anything. You can drink as much water as you like, but you don't eat or drink anything else other than water. I would say you try to get to the island for about uh, midday or early afternoon at the latest when you arrive you'll be shown to a cubicle uh, where you can leave a a dormitory but you have privacy you've got con- considerable privacy where you can leave your belongings you leave your shoes there as well and then you come down and you'd be given a leaflet and if you're doing it for the first time you have to complete three station prayers it's known as station island three sets of prayers and they're around the cells of anchorite monks probably going back certainly to the end of the of the la- of the of the Around the 900s, maybe even earlier, we're not 100% certain. The the pilgrims were spread over two islands, actually. Uh, But these are probably the cells of anchorite monks. And they've been, you know, uh, worn by the feet of so many pilgrims over the centuries. And you do three sets of prayers. It probably lasts, each lasts just over the hour. Uh, Walking around, it's a a prayer of the body, of movement, of of, um, arms and and legs and, and, and words and so on. And then you can have a meal, which is uh, bread or toast. Uh, There are some uh, um, oat cakes, which are fine. I never find the hunger a real challenge, actually. And you get black tea or coffee with as much sugar as you need. So, you know, that sustains you, to be honest, uh, really. Um, Then uh, there's Mass at 6.30. There's Night Prayer at 9.30, both beautiful liturgies, and a lot of work is put into the quality of the liturgy here. And then there's a talk, uh, and you're going on vigil. You're going to be awake for 24 hours. And this is at the heart of the pilgrimage. And it goes back to, uh, again, the ancient pilgrimage, which was much longer. At times it was 15 days, and then it was 9 days, it's now 3. Where people were locked into a cave for a period of time to do battle with their demons. I mean, there was a deep psychology behind that, in a sense. And uh, this has give rise to it being called St Patrick's Purgatory, because that could be a very difficult time as well. Well the modern equivalent of that is that people go into the basilica at night, which is in the shape of a cave. They're not locked in, of course, but uh, but they have a talk for the first hour, and then they do a number of those station-type prayers during the night. They do another uh, five of those during the night, and. Uh, Sorry, four plus the the rosary. So they're awake all night, and they're really on the move all night with their fellow pilgrims. And the group sizes will vary as to when you come here. It could be a couple of hundred, it could be 50, it depends on when you come. And then there's Mass at 6.30, and then there's the the Reconciliation uh, Sacrament of Penance at 8.30, Renewal of Baptism Promises at 12, uh, Stations of the Cross at 3, Mass again at 6, and then night prayer, and you can go to bed. Now, in the intervening time, there's a lot of downtime. There is a struggle. Maybe the main struggle is to keep awake. But there, in that intervening time, I always find you're, you're open to the surprise of Christ, that there's an openness to God speaking to you in a way. I mean, a lot of people come here, understandably, with intentions, as we say, with, with a shopping list of what they want to get out of the pilgrimage. But what is extraordinary is what God can actually surprise us with, that you may have your shopping list but God may have God's shopping list for you as well Mm -hmm. and there's this encounter which is unique and personal to everyone Uh, and so then the following you go to bed then and you sleep the sleep of the just as they say you're up for mass at 6.30 you do one more station prayer and you leave the island at 9.00 so you're not actually on the island uh, for three days, you you come on, say on day one, you come on around uh, in the early afternoon and you're gone by the first thing of, of morning in day three. But the fast continues to midnight. You have another lockdown-type meal uh, off the island and you fast to midnight. Uh, that's, uh, I hope that's helpful enough.
0: Then, for those who can't do that then, Father, I think there's a one day available at different times uh, at other times. I wonder...
4: the, the one day is available then they're usually themed so there may be one for the elderly there may be one for school children and there may be there are some open days I think just retreat days for anybody there's no fasting involved you're not actually allowed to take off your shoes in order to preserve the, the integrity if you like of the three day pilgrimage uh, there's no fasting there's a simple meal but there's no fasting and it's more a retreat really than the, the three day type pilgrimage but it is wonderful it's a great exposure to the sanct- sanctuary of the island and that's like an interesting word I mean if you actually on a uh, uh, Google uh, uh Derg, it'll come up as St. Patrick's Sanctuary, and mm-hmm. that's every bit yeah. as old as purgatory, mm-hmm. and in fact, the old Irish word for sanctuary is Charman and there are a lot of uh, local places around here named as Terman or Charman, and we do think today that for a lot of people suffering all kinds of mental and spiritual challenges uh, we know that they find sanctuary here in Loch they find a place where they can uh, reconnect. Uh, there's a counselling service, for example, during the pilgrimage, as well as the sacrament of reconciliation. Staff, uh, priests like myself and others are available for one-to-one conversations. And in a sense, there's an anonymity about the pilgrimage as well. You can come here, you can maybe explore something in a very safe way and, and leave it here. You know, I often say to pilgrims, there's lots of places around the island where you can leave something if you want uh, after you. Um, but that idea of sanctuary, I think, is, is that old idea where you could go to a church for sanctuary, a place where you could feel safe, I think that very much operates here.
0: And, and I assume that the, the three-day uh, three programme really gives people a chance to leave the world behind. It, it might take them a few, the first few hours and so on and so forth, but then after that then they're into the prayer ritual and then they're into maybe their own relationship with God
4: after that. It's, it's very much, I think, a, a, a place of healing. It's a very much a place where, where people... But of course, a lot of that is because that's what people come for. So even the very intention, you know, you set out from your home, you set out, uh, you know, you intend, you leave yourself open then uh, to being touched and healed in, the, in, in that particular way. And of course, I suppose, in a sense, part of the success of Loch Derg is also partly the reason why people don't talk a lot about it because it's so deeply personal what happens mm. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people don't necessarily want to go away. They're not going to necessarily go back to the workplace and say, you know, this is what happened for, to me. But what but, but really is extraordinary is the number of people who come year after year. And I would say for a lot of pilgrims, maybe for 50 or 60 percent, this is like their annual um, check-in with the institutional church. A lot of pilgrims probably don't necessarily regularly practice otherwise. I mean, it, certainly, I would say the majority of confessions I hear, this is the only place... Uh, those people go to confession is on Loch Derg.
0: And people don't necessarily have to be Catholics to go to Lough Derg for further uh...
4: No, I, you know, I mean, obviously it's deeply Catholic, but mm. in fact, I have come across uh, members of the of, of the Reformed tradition, various Protestant churches. I've come across people who are Buddhist uh, coming here uh, as well. Uh, but obviously he's uncompromising in the, in the Catholic tradition. And, you know, you're saying prayers like Our Father, Hail Mary, glory be to the Father, the Creed, uh, repeatedly, almost like a mantra, you're also, um, uh, you know, it's, the sac- it's sacramental, the sacramental reconciliation, uh, sort of the Eucharist, and uh, renewal of baptism and promises, but uh, no, I mean, this is not the kind of place, as indeed with most places of pilgrimage, it's a place of sanctuary and it's a place of welcome.
0: Okay. And
4: I suppose at this stage, if if
0: people were interested, father, how how could they start to get booked? I, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, the, the, look, if they Google it, it'll turn up. I mean, the internet. I suppose is lockderg.org dot org. It's L O U G H. Lockdurg is the website, and I'll say great work is done in that regard. I, I think it's a pity. Um, what we found is that it is helpful, certainly, if people are coming for the first time. It depends on your personality. You can certainly come alone, and I think you will you will find yourself. Uh, supported by its fellow pilgrims to the extent you wish to be. But I do think for people coming alone, particularly younger people, coming for the first time to come as a group, most successfully tend to be parish groups or school groups. And if you could, you know, fill a car with a few friends and say, look, we'll do Loch Derg this weekend, you know, or we'll do Loch Derg for these few days. Um, interestingly, a high number of people from what we call the caring professions, uh, people who need a lot of resilience in their daily lives, I met an airline pilot the other day, uh, nurses, doctors, uh, people who are on the front line of dealing with human fragility. Uh, they want to build up spiritual muscle. They want to be strong um, and resilient uh, for their day-to-day lives. Mothers, uh, people worried about members of their family. Um, members of the traveling community are very supportive of Loch Derg. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, extraordinary place. And, of course, it's been you know, heralded and, and, and recounted uh, in poetry uh, quite actively. Um, Kavanaugh, right. Heaney and so on have mm-hmm. written uh, wonderful poems about Derrick. I, I think it's a little unfortunate that any time we see anything in the mainstream media they tend to sensationalise the the physical um, demands of it, even, even uh, actually um, um, maliciously almost. There was a piece there not so long ago talking about bloodstained bandages and so on. Utter nonsense and rubbish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's nothing like that at all. This is obviously a first aid place on board if somebody has a, uh, an accident. But those things rarely, rarely, rarely happen, you know. Mm. It's actually quite safe and, and very supportive.
0: The cost is 75 euros this year, I think, for the three-day... Uh,
4: yeah, I know. haven't checked the... Uh, yeah, I haven't, I'm good. coming back myself on the 27th, please God, with a group from Mary I, uh to the 27th of July. We're planning to do it in a month's time, so... I'll find out then just uh, <laughs> how expensive it
0: is. And I might just give the phone number there. It's uh, 071. The phone number is sorry, 071 986 1518. Perfect. 071
4: 986 1518. John, and, if,
1: uh, if I can just jump in there. For anyone from West Limerick that wants to do a three-day pilgrimage to Loch Derg, you need to talk to Abbey Coaches or Fitzpatricks of the stole. They're actually planning to take a bus up on the 10th to the 12th of July for three days. And then they're taking a second one up on the 10th to the 12th of August. So further information, contact 087-3966-399. So that's 087-3966-399. So that's Fitzpatrick's of Listole that uh, they run a bus up. And I've gone with them myself in previous years. Uh, they, they, they run up to, to, to the island and they, they bring you home again. Uh, so, if people are interested in go going from the West Limerick side,
0: Father Amen, at this stage, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're very really busy there and on, the end, and we'll certainly keep you all in prayer. As I hope you'll keep us in
1: prayer, please.
4: I will indeed. And you know, it's, it, what I love about Loch Derg, I say, it's a real storehouse of prayer. You know, there's a lovely line of one of the hymns that says, um, "As over continent and island, the dawn leads on another day." The voice of prayer is never silent, nor dies the strain of praise away. And to think that here on this island, from the 1st of June to the 15th of August, there's prayer going on 24-7. And, you know, you can see that as a depository of prayer uh, from which people who may not be able to make the pilgrimage can nonetheless draw upon. And, uh, you know, even those, you know, if you're not physically on the island, you can, I think, very much benefit from, from the prayerfulness of this, sacred space and it really is for you know i'm delighted to have had the chance on your sacred space to speak about this sacred space so thank you very much thank you very much thank and, you very much. Much.
0: and we, we just might go with the same bit, bit of music as we had a few years ago i think it's a favorite it's come as you are by paul gar so father god bless you all now thanks father the thank music.
5: come as you are that's how i Come as you are, feel quite at home, close to my heart, loved and forgiven, come as you are.
0: So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space. My name is John Kelly, still joined by Shane Ambrose on the other end of the Skype line. And we thank again Father Eamon Conway for again taking time out. He's busy schedule, we very really busy up there in Lockdog at the moment, but just to fill us in on what Lockdog is all about and really the, the, the real meaning of Lockdog. So thanks again to Father Eamon. This part of the programme is we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Gospel for the week. Shane, you should pray a prayer for us uh, before reading and reflecting on scripture at the start. Shane, you might pray that prayer for us, please.
1: <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So, the Gospel for
0: today, for the 13th Sunday, uh, is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. When Jesus had crossed in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered round him, and he stayed by the lakeside. Then one of the synagogue officials came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, fell at his feet and pleaded with him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is desperately sick to come and lay your hands on her to make her better and save her life. Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed him. And they were pressing all round him. Now, there was a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for twelve years. After long and painful treatment under various doctors, she had spent all she had without being any the better of it. In fact, she was feeling worse. She had heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him, and through the crowd and touched his cloak. If I can touch even his clothes, she told herself, I shall be well again. And the source of her bleeding dried up instantly, and she felt in herself that she was cured of her complaint. Immediately aware that the power had gone out from him, Jesus turned round in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see how the crowd is pressing round you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he continued to look around to see who had done it. Then the woman came forward, frightened and trembling, because she knew what had happened to her, and she fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. My daughter, he said, your faith restored you to health. Go in peace and be free from your complaints. While he was still speaking, some people arrived from the house of the synagogue official to say, Your daughter is dead. Why put the master to any further trouble? But Jesus had overheard his remark to, of uh, had overheard their, this remark of theirs and he said to the official do not be afraid only have faith and he allowed no one to get uh, and and he allowed no one to go with him except Peter and James and John the brother of James so they came to the official's house and Jesus noticed all the commotion with people weeping and wailing unrestrainedly he went in and said to them, "Why all the commotion and crying? The child is not dead, but asleep." They laughed at him. So he turned round, so he turned them all out and said, taking with him the child's father and mother and his companions, he went into the place where the child lay. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, "Taglita, come," which means "little girl." "I tell you to get up." The little girl got up at once and began to walk about for she was 12 years old at this they were overcome with astonishment and he ordered them strictly not to let anyone know about it and he told them to give her something to eat so that's the gospel um for today a rather long gospel two lovely um, two lovely parables there shane you might want to start us off with the canvas with a, a, a reflection
1: please Sure, John. As you said, it, quite a substantial um, gospel today, just over what are called 20 pericopes, or 20 uh, paragraphs, um, taken from, from Mark's gospel. And I suppose it's broken down very much into two substories. One, of course, is the healing of Jairus' daughter, and of course, the other is the woman with the, with the hemorrhage <clears throat> for 12 years. And... I suppose for me, the thing that came out of the reflecting on the two um, the two accounts in today's Gospel, John, was very much a story of faith. Um, yeah. You know, it's a case of both from from Jairus, because, you know, that peel, my daughter's ill, come and lay her hands on him, on, lay your hands on her. And then the other one, that other one with the woman saying, if I could but touch his cloak, yeah. I would cure and for me i think that's the thing that came out and it's it's both of those stories of very ordinary people dealing with very tragic and sorrowful events in their lives and holding on with to the to holding on by their fingertips with faith in jesus and in god and i think for us for many people it's something that should give us a little degree of comfort and consolation it's not the easiest thing in the world you know when when someone is sick or when someone is dying, or particularly, particularly with a child, um, it can be very hard to kind of turn around and you know not ask the question, "Why is God doing this?" And it's it's moments like that. It's very difficult to have an answer. I don't have an answer, I, you know, um, you know. But it's it's being able to find the, or remember, I should say, I beg your pardon, to remember the fact that Jesus has a particular place in his heart. For those who are suffering, and and, he, and and which was demonstrated again and again on his public ministry when he was here on earth. You know, it's it's it, the healings. I suppose are very much also a challenge to us because if you look at it, Jairus uh, was very much, um, you know, he was very high society. Um, he was an official in the synagogue, well connected, would probably have. Well, <clears throat> and, you know, then we have the opposite of that, this woman, who, a woman. We just, we just know her as a woman. We don't even know her name, you know. Um, whereas, you know, we, we, we know Jairus' name. He, he's remembered as an official. And it's, it's, it's the difference between the two of them, but both of them demonstrating faith. And you could almost say that the woman dis- displayed a greater face. Because she just, she, just, she, she just said, if I could just touch his cloak. She didn't want to bother Jesus. She didn't want to interfere with his program, what he wanted to do. She just said, if I could but to see him and touch him, I would be cured. So in some respects, you almost say her faith was greater. You know, Jairus had gone on and said, you, you must come and lay your hands on my child. We can very much understand that. That would be any father's desire for their sick daughter. But it's just, you know, the, looking at it from that point of view, and it's, 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 that line actually, you know, she was, she was, there was a woman. It, it, it jumped out to me and said, like, she's a person. Surely, but you God, Mark, you could have found out what her name was. You know, it's not, it's not the, you know, um, but it's, it's also, it's interesting, you know, um, Jesus' response was interesting as well, because when the woman was cured, he turned around and said, who touched me? And, of course, the disciples were kind of going, I uh, hear now, we're in the middle of a crowd, hustle and bustle, and people pushing on him, and he wants to know who touched him. Like, you, you can, I can, I can always see the reaction and the eye rolls as if to say, what is he on about now, you know? Mm. But Jesus kind of, if you like, forces the recognition of the woman's faith in some respects. Whereas if you contrast that with the instruction he gave to Jairus and his family, Give her something to eat. The little child is going to be fine. Mm. And I think it's kind of, it's a reminder to us, I suppose, that you know um, Jesus was kind of saying the, the, the poor and weak, the unknown, are just as important as the powerful and wealthy. And uh, that's something I suppose that we have to remind ourselves in the world that we live in. Because you know, look around, we very much a political landscape which is very much about putting up barriers and excluding others. Uh, in many different places. And I suppose the question comes to us, you know, well, where and how are we supposed to respond? What is the challenge that's put to us in terms of responding to these difficult times? And I suppose if you look at what Jesus said, he said, you know, Talita come, that's what he said to the little girl, which means I tell you to get up. And I suppose for those of us, I suppose we could put ourselves in that little girl's position. This is one thing that struck me as well was, for any of us, are we dead to the world? Are we, you know, are we anesthetized by our mobile phones? Are we cut off by our computer screens? Are we absolutely glued to Love Island and the carry-on that's on? You know, that kind of thing. You know, where are we with engaging with our family and neighbors, and as Father Raymond said, engaging with ourselves to be able to engage with God. You know, Um it's not the easiest thing in the world. And I, I put my own hand up on that, John. Um, but recent, like recently enough, I actually disabled my own Facebook page. And it was interesting, actually, for the first 10, 12 days afterwards, I missed it, really missed it. I, saw, I found it very unusual, you know. And it's, it's just a reminder to us, I suppose, that it's an opportunity to, you know, to get up, to reemerge into life. Because that is what Jesus is calling us to do, to do. Uh, you know, Talitha, come. I tell you, get up. Maybe something true. Thanks for that, Shane.
0: Um, the thought that jumped out to me this week was actually in the middle one. Uh, that, that, that that first little parable that, Jesus, uh, that, that Mark tells us about today. The woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years in today's gospel had spent all she had without being any the better for it. In fact, she was feeling worse. She had heard about Jesus, I knew that even if she touched his, his clothes, she would be well again. And the phrase that jumped out to me was, she'd heard about Jesus. Now, how did she hear about Jesus? Somebody, somebody told her about Jesus, or maybe she heard other people speaking about Jesus. And of course, the thing that, that, that came back to my own mind there was, well, who told me about Jesus? My parents or my teachers or my colleagues or people I'd spoken to over the years in Faith Matters. Um, and And then... Have I been willing to help other people who are struggling? You know, I mean, uh, she said that she spent her money um treatments under various doctors. I mean, how many people do we know who go to various avenues to try and get what they call a fix, or to try and get some peace in their lives? They might go on drugs, they might go on the beer, or whatever it might be. And maybe if we gave them a little bit of our own experience, that we are able to listen to the gospel every week, listen to the good news every week, and every week we find that Jesus does t- just does give us parables on things that are pertaining to our own life, our own struggles and so on and so forth. How many people listened to this program this morning who, like that lady, you know, just touched the cloak of Jesus, just asking him in faith to give them what they need, which might be peace or healing or whatever it might be. So maybe today, maybe it's time maybe to, as Father Amen reminded us, maybe take time out on pilgrimages somewhere. It might be lockdown, it might be loose, it might be Medjugorje, but it might be just spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, or it might be just time just sitting in the church somewhere, reconnecting with God, reconnecting with our faith, and reconnecting with what it's all about. So maybe today, which we could remember in our prayers, those people who are struggling and those people who are who have maybe never heard about Jesus. That lady, somebody told that lady about Jesus. What are we going to do today? Are we going to be the person who might be the only person that these people might hear? Remember, there's, there's times when Shane might say something to somebody and they don't hear it, and I say the same thing and they hear it, and vice versa. So let's not um, neglect what really is our duty to do in a way, which is to pass on the good news. Somebody told me about you. Who are we going to tell about Jesus today? Anyway, at, this, at that time, we might um, finish up the programme. Thank you very much, Neil, for joining us this morning. And this is the 1st of July. Thanks again, to Shane, for, for joining me this morning. And, of course, Father Eamon, giving us that lovely reflection on lockdown, loads of, loads of talk, thoughts and so on and so forth. Next week, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it all again. But thank you again for joining us. And we might go out with a final bit of music. And I was just wondering what to play this morning. And I thought I'd play You Are My Witnesses. Because really that's a little bit about what I got from the Gospel anyway today. This lady was told about Jesus from somebody. Are we going to be the witness to that? Just think about it. In the meantime, thanks Shane. Bye. I bless you all now. Bye-bye now.
3: to see
2: Secret space.